Do you want victory? You can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder and executive director of Wears Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at pastorwood.org. And now, here's your host, Jim Wood. I'm so grateful to be here this morning, very grateful for that testimony, very grateful for the fact that the Lord himself is in this place. I grew up here, as Dr. Barker mentioned uh, at the start of the service, I grew up um, walking to church uh, many Sundays because my parents... Um, were teaching a Bible study at what was the old facility of the Juvenile Evaluation Center, a place very close to uh, where you all are right now. And um, so I, I came here uh, uh, on foot uh, most Sundays, and um, it didn't do me any harm. Um, I'm very, very grateful for the privilege of having grown up in this place surrounded by some wonderful encouragement in the Lord. Two of the things that I really appreciated growing up here, um, one was going camping in the mountains. Um, a lot of times uh, I went with the Boy Scouts or with other friends, uh, but sometimes I just took my sleeping bag and went up the side of the mountain and rolled it out somewhere and woke up a little further down the hill the next morning. But um, <clears throat> didn't always need much of a campsite. But in the, in, in the midst of those years, uh, several of us from the high school, um, as we were just getting into high school age, built a campsite uh, on the side of the mountain on Mountain Retreat Association property. Uh, they had plenty. So um, we, we just, you know, there was nobody to ask permission of in our minds. You just, you know, it was out there in the woods. So we just built a place, built a tree house that went from tree to tree to tree. And uh, it was really cool. I've never seen, you know, they have that show on TV where they do tree houses and stuff. Nothing like ours. I mean, ours was really a cool thing. And, and it became the place to go camping. Why would you want to go somewhere else when you could go to the campsite, go to the treehouse, and we did that for a long time. Unfortunately, some of us brought friends occasionally with us, which was not a problem, except that then they started going there without telling us, and they'd bring their friends, and then their friends would go up there, and soon the place was being trashed. When we went up there, we had a code that, you know, if you are going to use some of the resources that we kept there, then you replenish those resources. But... Um, some of the people who were coming up there were people we didn't know, had never met. They were just, they had discovered the place through someone else and it was being used and it was being trashed. And so one of the most wonderful, responsible, godly people that I know decided as a wonderful, conscientious, servant-hearted young person that he would go up there and clean that place up. And it needed it. I mean, there was trash that people had left behind. And so several 
younger people went up there with him. They piled the trash into one of the fireplace configurations that we had built, kind of a bonfire place. Unfortunately, a bunch of leaves had gotten in there, and the fire, let's just say, got out of control. That was not a good thing. The Mountain Retreat Association was fascinated to find out about the treehouse, because when the firefighters showed up to fight the blaze, the treehouse was fine. The fire had gone from there up the mountain, and so it was pretty obvious where it started and how and all of that. Not that, not that our wonderful, conscientious, responsible, servant-hearted friend was trying to in any way dissemble about the truth. He was very conscientious about what had happened and took full responsibility and, and I think pretty much full blame, um, which really wasn't fair, but anyway. Um, I, I tell you that story not just to reminisce, but because you and I need to understand, if we look at the scriptures, we're kind of camping out here. And sometimes it seems like A foreign element, and I don't mean ethnically, I mean alien from us, has come into our campsite and messed the place up. You know what I mean? They just kind of made a mess of things. And it's like, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. And so we want to clean it up. We want to fix it. And if we're not careful, we can end up doing a lot of destruction when things get out of hand. And in fact, we can end up losing our campsite altogether. Now, I tell you that because I know if you're like me, you may have felt increasingly a sense of being displaced in our own country in recent days and months and years. Because it seems like there are folks who do not share our values and do not believe clearly what Scripture says who have sort of taken over the place, and they are trashing it, in our view. And we might want to clean it up. We better be careful. So I would submit to you that part of the problem is when we start to think that our campsite is our home, and we start to act as if we own the place. We were there on Mountain Retreat Association property. It wasn't our land. But we felt like it was our land, because by golly, we built a treehouse that could sleep over 20 people. Now, I mean... That's assuming nobody moved. (laughs) You could put 20 sleeping bags at various angles and get them up there laid out. We never had 20 people up there. It probably would have all crashed down. But in our minds, you know, by golly, we've got a great place. We've worked hard to have it. We had three fireplaces. We had a spring. We had a shower. That consisted of a milk jug with holes in the bottom. You could fill with water there in the stream and hold like this over your head. That's a shower. And, uh, and... I mean, it was, we had kind of built a home for teenage guys on the side of the mountain where we could go up and we had great conversations about the Lord and shot off a lot of fireworks. <laughs> but, but basically, we had made a home on somebody else's property and felt a sense of ownership and pride of ownership. And from that innocent, naive perspective came an effort to clean up a mess that resulted in an unintended consequence. All right? There were some other folks who lived in Montreat at that time who also were a huge part 
of my spiritual formation, and that was a bunch of former missionaries, people who had spent substantial portions of their lives serving Christ, spreading the gospel in other parts of the world. And hearing from them about those other places and those other people groups and seeing the love that they had for those countries and those peoples, well, that kind of changed my perspective a little bit about where home is. Because I'm proud to be an American, or at least I know I'm free. But these people were singing about the kingdom of God. They were focused on something other than just being a good neighbor here in Montreat. Their prayers didn't just have to do with, please reduce the swelling in so-and-so's leg. They had to do with God. Awaken your people. Make us holy. Grant that the gospel would go into all the earth and that those who were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world would be drawn to you. See, it was a different perspective that they brought. And I will always be grateful both for camping out in Montreat and spending time with people who understood that they were still on a journey and that this is not our home. Hi, this is Jim Wood. I'm very grateful for the privilege of teaching God's Word now for over 40 years. I've seen firsthand the power of the gospel changing lives for eternity. My wife and I have been blessed with seven children, four of them adopted. As parents and in our travels to other countries, we've seen again and again that the human heart is the same everywhere. And everywhere we go, Jesus is the only one who can save. I hope that these broadcasts are an encouragement to you, and I want to ask you to take a moment to encourage us. First, please visit our website, pastorwood.org, to learn more about our work. Second, please pray for us that we'll remain faithful and that God will continue to use us to spread his word around the world. And finally, if the Lord prompts you to do so, please support us financially. We're depending on our listeners to stand with us, and we're praying for God to bless you. You're listening to Abiding in Christ with Pastor Jim Wood. Pastor Wood is a popular speaker for family and marriage retreats, conferences, and pro-life fundraisers. If you are planning an event, a retreat, or conference, and would like to invite Pastor Wood to speak or teach, please visit pastorwood.org and fill out our speaker request form. At this site, you will also find over a dozen books authored by Pastor Wood and his wife, Susan. Again, please visit PastorWood.org today. That's PastorWood.org. To step out of my comfort zone Into the realm of the unknown Where Jesus is And is holding out his hand You and I are on a journey. If you look in the scriptures, the people of God are on a journey. Look in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, beginning in verse 8. I'm reading from the New International Version. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. 
He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Go to verse 13. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they'd been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Folks, that's an example of people who lived by faith. They had faith in God that transformed the way they lived on the earth. They could travel from place to place to place to place without a sense of loss, but instead with a sense of longing. They were not homeless. They just weren't home yet. They were strangers and aliens here. And we need to realize that that is not the exception. That is the norm. King David in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, having asked the people to give generously for the construction of a temple in Jerusalem. Prior to that, God had been camping out with the people in a tent, the tabernacle. But David, celebrating the generous offering that the people had given toward the construction of the temple, prayed this in 1 Chronicles 29. Everything comes from you, and we have given only what comes from your hand. We are foreigners and strangers in your sight, as were all our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow. Do you ever start to feel like our days on earth are like a shadow? I, uh, I've noticed that I'm getting older. You all, of course, just remain the same, timeless. But... Um, we're, we're all getting older. And the Apostle Paul describes it as being in an earthly tent, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It's like being in an earthly tent, and the earthly tent is wearing out. But he gives us a wonderful word of encouragement. He says, if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. So in other words, not only is this not our home, this is not our home. Amen. Amen. I am so glad I'm not going to have to spend forever just getting older and older, 
and older. I mean, the tent's wearing out, but it's okay because this isn't home. It's a tent. We're just camping. Folks, you and I need to know we are on a journey. And this world is not our home. So where is our home? I've told my kids, I've got seven children, eight grandchildren. And I've told my children, if we get hit with an EMP, electromagnetic pulse, and it knocks out everything, you won't be able to call. Just walk. You are all welcome at our house. You don't have to go hoping that mom and dad have a place. We've got, we've got a place for you. I have told a friend in Knoxville who's a physician and married to a physician that they can come. <laughs> and I've told my brother that we don't need any more preachers. But I want my kids to know they can come to my home, but I want my kids much more than that to know that that's just a place we're going to camp together. Okay? It's really not home. It's not home right now for me. It's a place to camp. It's a place to serve. It's a place to exercise hospitality. It's a place to do outreach. But it is not home. We need to know where our home is. And our home is with the Father. Our Father. Our Father in heaven. Jesus said in John chapter 14, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself so that you may be with me. And he said, you know where I'm going and you know the way. And he was greeted with what seemed a legitimate question, and that is, oh, Lord, we don't know where you're going. Jesus said, you know where I'm going. No, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we not only need to know that we're on a journey, and we not only need to know where our home is, we need to know how to get there, and there is only one way. Jesus is the only way to the Father. That's it. But Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's not that Jesus is saying, stay away. Even if you want eternal life, you can't have it. The problem is, when God offers us eternal life in Jesus Christ, the universal response of man is to say, no. I'd rather be my own God. I'd rather be my own boss. I want to have it my way. I want to do my own thing. And until God in his mercy brings us to repentance, until God allows us to come to the point where we awaken like the prodigal in the far country, we come to our senses. Until that happens, we are perfectly content to go our own way and do our own thing. 
In the last couple of days, I've had emails and phone calls and personal conversations with people asking me if I think that God is about to pour out his wrath on this country. I've urged those folks to please read Romans 1, where you will find a description of what it looks like when God pours out his wrath on a people. What he says is, have it your way. That is wrath being poured out. If you know me, you know I've been very involved over the years in opposing abortion. People say to me about abortion, do you think that because of all the children who've been killed, God's wrath is going to be poured out on our country? Do you understand that about a third of our offspring have been slaughtered? You don't understand that that is wrath? If it was some wasting disease that had killed a third of our kids, we'd say the wrath of God is heavy on us. But God doesn't have to send a wasting disease. Our citizens did it to our offspring. The next generation and the next generation. Folks, we need to understand we are living in a hostile world just like the world was hostile 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 300 years ago, 800 years ago. 2,000 years ago, we had the perfect incarnate expression of God's love and holiness. And the response of man was to say, crucify him. The problem is not a political problem. The problem is not a cultural or sociological problem. The problem is not going to be solved by education or by an improvement in the economy. The problem is the human heart. And that's why whether you are in a remote jungle somewhere or in a sleek urban setting, the problem's still the same. There's only one way to the Father, and that is through Jesus Christ. And Jesus didn't just die and rise again so that we could be forgiven and transformed, but Jesus sent his Holy Spirit in order that he might convict the world of sin and of righteousness. Only God can take the blinders off the eyes and replace the heart of stone with a heart of flesh. So we should not be surprised if it turns out that our neighbors become increasingly like they're described in the Bible. People who will be hostile. Hostile toward the truth. Unwilling to accept what is so clear to those who know God. There is only one way to the Father. There is only one way home, and that is Jesus. That said, we're all on a journey. We need to remember where our home is, and we need to remember that there's only one way to get there. A couple of other pieces of counsel from an old guy who's walked this road for a while now. Travel light. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart's going to 
be attached to something. I want it attached on the other side. I want to be excited about what I'm going toward, not grieving about what I have to leave behind. Travel light. 1 Peter chapter 2, we read these words. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Paul writes in Philippians 3, Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Travel light. One last thing. Be joyful. There's joy in the journey. We're on our way to a perfect place where we're going to be with our Father and our loved ones in Christ forever. Is heaven going to be a beautiful place? Absolutely. But it's going to be beautiful because our Savior's there. That's what makes heaven beautiful. We don't need the sun and the moon anymore because the Lord is our light. I hope to see you there. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments you want to make, I want to invite all of you to contact us at 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at pastorwood.org. That's pastorwood.org.